Hey, this is Glenn, and today on Infants on Thrones, I sit down once again with psychotherapist Josh Neal. I can't put up with being a coward anymore. To continue a series of reflective discussions about what our ongoing experience with the Mormon faith crisis has been teaching us about our own mental health, vulnerability, authenticity, acceptance of reality, and the power that we all have to create emotional well-being through all of it. For me, the goal is to do what I like with people I like that know me, that love me, that respect me, that I know, love, and respect, and I value what they contribute, and together we collaborate on a project that has a meaning for us. I can't put up with being a coward anymore. Yeah. That is profoundly significant to the human experience to be able to have that kind of an opportunity to live in that way. And what we currently do is leave the people that love and know us, surround ourselves by strangers, get yelled at and, and criticized with people that don't even know us, and, and then do things we don't like and don't care about. And it's no wonder we're depressed as a species. It's literally the opposite of how we're designed to spend our day. Now, if you find yourself on a similar journey and you're looking for someone to help you along the way, you can find Josh at Capitol Hill Therapy in Seattle, Washington. And you can find me right here at infantsonthrones at gmail.com. And if you appreciate the work that I'm doing here, please come and support the podcast on Patreon. And now, this is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. Who wants someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. Who wants religion to Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. You can buy Look for the good in everything. Look for the people who will set your soul free. It always seems impossible until it's done. Look for the good in everyone. All right. So Josh, um, this conversation that we have right now, like what, what I've done with the previous, I think we've done four conversations and the way that I've approached each one of them is I record it with you. And then the next day I publish it with the exception of one of them. I think it took me a week because I was like in a weird place with it or whatever, but I do minimal editing. You know, there's really not a lot of prep that goes into these conversations. We're just shooting from the hip. I mean, We've got the prep of our entire life experience that we've been preparing for up to this point. So it's not like we don't have any preparation. We've we've treasured it in our hearts continually. And in the moment, what is needed has been given to us. Do you see, you keep coming up with these things, you know, it's like the scripted <laughs> stuff. I love it. I love, I love what you have to say. So with this, with this, this recording that we have right now isn't going to be published tomorrow. We're recording this what, December 6th. And I decided to do the, um, it's kind of like the 12 days of Christmas, uh, infants on thrones, you know, like I, I pick 12 episodes that are kind of Christmas themed or just like fun little things as, as little gifts. And then every other day there's a, an infants on thrones episode. I don't know if anybody else sees it as like, Oh, I'm excited. The little infant advent calendar for podcast listening. They might go, well, this one today, a Christmas story, two hours and 20 minutes. I'm not listening to that. <laughs> I have no idea. 
but so the conversation that we're having right now will be published at the end of uh once i finish that uh 12 part series so it'll probably be around christmas or a little bit after christmas that this one is published Mm. and i'll probably stack it with other things that we record between now and then as well but one of the things that i i sent you a recording last week mm-hmm. that i i might insert here mm-hmm. <laughs> just just because it, i got so freaked out when i listened back to our conversation last night like it got so vulnerable and so um raw for me mm-hmm. i just thought oh uh, gosh what so, so there were there was this point where I was talking about how in the moment I was thinking about reincarnation, I just had like this really expansive idea. And I'd been debating in internally the whole time. Do I bring this up? Should I bring this up? Is that, I don't know if I should bring this up. And I finally got to a point where I like, I am going to bring it up. I'm going to talk about it. And then it went over like a, like a fart in church or leads whatever those, that, that ex- expression is where your response back to me was like, well, I, all I can say is that I'm a therapist. I do everything I can to help people that are with me. And I'm like, wait, what, what, what does that mean? What is, did I just cross a line? Like I was so panicked and freaked out. Like I felt it in my body. Like I've gone insane. I've lost my mind and Josh <laughs> sees it. And now I'm putting this out for, you know, all these dozens and dozens of listeners who have been hearing me lose my mind anyway, for the last, you know, how many years I've been doing infants on throne. And it was probably about five minutes of that just like real intense. And then I kind of went, okay, wait, wait. But if Josh was here, like, what would he be saying? He'd be saying like, okay, well, what are you feeling right now? Like, what is, what is this moment that you're in? I'm like, okay, just feel it. Yeah. And I stood, I stood in a corner in my bedroom and I was just like looking at the wall and I kind of went, Oh, all right. I, I recognize that I've got all like the way that I, process information the way that i distort what's going on around me makes me feel this way mm. and mm. i don't understand mm. all the reasons why mm. but i know it's happening and this is what i'm feeling right now and i'm gonna breathe into it and i don't honestly it was it was a little over a week ago now so i don't remember exactly how i resolved it but it just it resolved pretty quickly mm. and then i had like this big smile on my face i'm like i did it that's what this is about you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, and it, it's like I was able to pull myself out of a tailspin of an anxiety attack. And then I started going, yeah, I probably have more anxiety and I've dealt with anxiety in my life more often than I've recognized because I've been so adept at hiding it from myself and mm. like distracting myself anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I recorded something and I sent it to you, but we mm-hmm. haven't talked about it since then. No. So I'm curious no. to know what your reaction was when you received that well (laughs) so right now i'm having my own anxiety reaction which will be interesting which is i so i just got done well i'm gonna observe myself yeah i'm embarrassed right now because i haven't had a chance to listen to it yet oh my god yes awesome so i'm very embarrassed right now and I want to listen to it and I am going to listen to it and I'm wanting to make excuses right now. And uh, what I can tell you is there are no excuses, but there is a reason. And the reason was I training gestalt therapist yeah. here in Seattle right. and my training was last weekend and coming off of a events calendar of all these 
Christmas things and birthdays that were going on and then yeah. training. And I haven't had a moment to do anything outside of the most bare minimum. And so I'm, I'm connecting to what you're sharing right now. And I'm, I'm just embarrassed. All right. So I'm telling you, Josh, you, you have the ability right now. You can tell me, do you want me to edit this part out or do you want me to keep this in? Well, let's see where it goes. I think All right. the only, the only way I would want to edit it out is like, if we pause and I listen to it and we listen to it together and then we come back, then we could cut that out and start there. If we don't do that, yeah. then let's just keep our conversation. Let's just keep the good. I mean, yeah, it is I what it is. This is the I, reality. I'm I had still, a busy, I, yeah. I'm still going to insert it. And so yes. it may be, God, and I, I'm it, it be may the be only that one. the first time that you hear it is when all the, the other dozens are listening to it for the first time. <laughs> I'm the only one that won't know <laughs> right now in when they're hearing it, they'll have yeah. heard it before me. Yeah. Um, in the timeline. It's funny. Well, yeah. So my, uh, embarrassment is abating and, uh, what I am interested in is, can you tell me a bit about the experience without overgoing the content again? Is there anything you can share briefly or let me in on? Here's, here's my questions. Here's the direct questions I had. What did I do yeah. specifically or how did I respond to you that impacted you? What was the, do you remember that? Yeah. And, and it, it wasn't you. <laughs> right. Right. Like, yeah. So, so like I, I said something like, uh, you know, in, in this moment, what I'm thinking about is reincarnation because you had described, you had described this process of, um, loops, like, like I, the, the, the big takeaway that I had from our last conversation was this idea of self-regulation that you know everybody is self-regulating within an environment and it's all constantly changing but you have the ability and the power to self-regulate but there are times where we get into these loops and the, these loops it could be patterns of thinking patterns of behavior just stuff that keeps us from really growing and expanding and uh, you know just keeps us like in these loops right and as you were talking about that i was thinking about well we've got life and death we've got this one life where there's all these loops that we keep doing but mm -hmm. i kind of don't think that it's all limited to one life i i mm -hmm. like thinking about it from the soul perspective of like these incarnation is a way of getting out of the loops but then i'm getting into my stories and my fictions and just like all this stuff that i don't really know about i'm just you know mm -hmm. like grasping at stuff to try to understand it Right. But I wanted to talk about it. So I like brought up reincarnation as a way to, you know, let's, let's hammer this. Let's have this discussion. But what your response was like, it, it was almost like it didn't connect at all to anything for you. And what I thought in the moment, or like when I was listening back to do the yeah. editing yeah, and I heard you're like, well, so like, instead of uh, acknowledging what I had said, you're just like, I I'm, I, I I'm a therapist that was going to like, if somebody comes to me with problems, I'm going to help them. It was basically that kind of sentiment. Okay. Okay. And at that moment, as I was doing the editing, I, I stopped it. And that's when I had like the panic mm -hmm. after I calmed down and I went back and I finished editing the whole episode, you did address it. We did end up having some conversations about it, but I hadn't gotten to that part, you know, cause mm -hmm. my own right. panic right. kind of drew me out of it. Right. But so like the thoughts that came to me when I had that panic was, oh, did I just cross a line? And now Josh is thinking, <laughs> I do not want to be publicly associated with this guy anymore. <laughs> I, I need to let anybody who's listening know that 
I'm a therapist who solves problems. I'm not some like crazy person who talks about reincarnation and souls and all that shit. You know, like yeah. I don't know who this Glenn guy is. Yeah. You know, and and so that was the the thing. And it was completely the story that I'm making yeah. up because I feel like yeah. I've got this kernel inside of me that I always assume that people don't like me. I always assume that mm. uh, you know, like that I'm uh crossing lines you know that i'm, I'm gonna make people uncomfortable something like that mm. so that that's what that does that answer your question josh in a lot of yeah, words yeah 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 I'm, I'm taking it in i first i just want to say i i like you glenn no thanks i appreciate yeah. that yeah yeah now, and, now you're now you're gonna make me go into that place where i feel uncomfortable about being liked and this yeah. is that loop right <laughs> yeah 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 and and i guess yeah sharing that will have its impact. It's an experiment to let you know that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And then the other thing is just, um, not only do I like you, I, I really appreciate what you do for facilitating and organizing our conversations and that the way that we interact is really cool to me. Yeah. I like it. So, so I, I like you and I respect you and I appreciate our interactions and I, like the idea of you uh, testing out or or seeing what happens as you learn about yourself in our dynamic um, and and be able to speak to it as you are now, which is that you had this reaction. Um, and then I can take that in. Uh, so that's just primary to me as first, just the stuff about you and me and our relationship seems yeah. important to be able to talk to about that event. Well, thank you. You know, yeah. you know, the, the, the first conversation that we had where we talked a lot about emotional intelligence, and I think we talked about authenticity in that one, although it might've been the second one where we talked about authenticity is really changed the way that I've been interacting um, with people, ma mainly with uh, my partner, Cammie, um, where in, in the past when I've been like afraid to say what I'm really thinking. Yeah. Now I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like able to own it better and be like, well, here's what. Uh, yeah. So in, in that regard, I'll tell you, I appreciate that you're telling me that you like me and that you uh, enjoy these discussions. And my response to that is, yeah, now you do. But yeah, you know, like, yeah, until yeah. I do the until I do the yeah. thing that makes you not, you know, so yeah. there's like this unsteady yeah. or, or. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uncomfortable yeah. acceptance of that like okay yeah yeah sure but we'll right. see we'll see how right. we'll see how solid that really is yeah it's like yeah it's um for me that looks like this thing of um what happens i think for a lot of people is they really want something and maybe they haven't even had enough of it and then if they get it the idea is that they will lose connection to it mm. or that or that something that I think can come up for maybe you or others is that deep down there, they don't have experience having been fully intimate with someone in mm. that sense of an unguarded present moment experience being expressed. And the other person is doing the same thing. And so there's a sense of being fully seen right. and, and experiencing the other person's delight in that encounter yeah and and delight is a really nice thing to experience in somebody else when it's not delight it's it's more challenging 
but yeah. the like like for for me to have that kind of intimacy and to say you know i'm i'm going to accept you however you show up in this you know like situation like we've developed enough rapport and whether i'm talking about you josh or i'm talking about my partner cam or i'm talking about anybody else you know that i interact with to say we've got a certain level of of trust that i understand that you're going to be you and you're going to be flawed and there's going to be times when uh you get triggered by things and you act in ways that later you regret and mm -hmm. in that moment like as we're going through it i'm going to be understanding of that um and you're going to be understanding of me and we're going to kind of do that together mm -hmm. has been a, a, I don't know, like a really liberating kind of approach uh, mm -hmm. that I've seen real. Uh, I, I've, I've really just been enjoying it <laughs> ever, ever since we started doing these uh, uh, conversations that we've been having. So I, I want to thank you for that. Well, I'm glad that's you know happening. That it's making a big impact. Awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. yeah. And thanks for sharing it. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm really happy that it's having that and I hope it continues. Yeah. I I'm, I'm kind of thinking now just about some of the stuff we're talking about. My head's kind of like going like all these different thoughts, yeah. which, which is like, um, yeah. When the experience is delight, it's great. Yeah. And then there's like this, what about when it's not, and right. I almost get into like very primitive, like Freudian psychology, which is this idea of the anal phase, which mm. is in part uh, about a child like taking a shit and the mother's going to change it. And the reaction is to recoil from this dirty diaper. And the child sees like, I am not being held in a good way. I'm being seen as bad and mm. and and disgusting and repulsive and mommy's pulling away and i'm going to lose this connection to her because she saw this thing and that's mm. why we use the term when someone's uptight we call them anal what it came from is anal retentive which is to start to try to hide all the bad parts of yourself to mm. try to yeah. to make sure no one ever sees your shit like literally yeah. and and then the inability to be loved and delight to be taken in in not only the pleasant, delightful parts of you, but to accept, love, value, and honor your shadow yeah. and the darker parts of you. And, you know, in other words, to hold your hair while you vomit kind of right. a situation where someone can love you through that. There's kind of a loving you warts and all yeah. uh, experience that creates a lot more of a secure bond. Yeah, yeah. It 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 reminds me of something that you said before we started recording that I just absolutely loved. And you, it, it was something about how we need to surround ourselves with people who we like, doing things that we like, that appreciate us instead of uh, strangers who don't really know us and don't really care about us. And that's why we're depressed as a culture, because we've gotten into this system where we do that. Uh, yeah. Do, do you remember exactly how you worded that? Because it was better than what I just did. You did a great job. Uh, <laughs> what what I think I said was that for me, I think what's the goal? Like what's what's the goal? And and what's the kind of natural state? And I know there's problems with calling anything that. But that being said, for me, the goal is to do what I like with people I like that know me, that love me, that respect me, that I 
know, love, and respect, and I value what they contribute. And together we collaborate on a project that has a meaning for us. Yeah, That is profoundly significant to the human experience to be able to have that kind of an opportunity to live in that way. And what we currently do is leave the people that love and know us, surround ourselves by strangers, get yelled at and, and criticized with people that don't even know us, and and then do things we don't like and don't care about. And it's no wonder we're depressed as a species. It's literally the opposite of how we're designed to spend our day, yeah. where what organizes the the relationship is rapport, respect, love, care, contribution, the kind of things that organize like a primitive human group who's going and doing their things together. If the person sucks long enough, you'll kill them and take their spot. I mean, that's what a human would do. It's what monkeys do. Eventually, if your status is lost because you don't provide the thing that they respect, you lose the spot and someone else takes it over who's more capable. And so it's very organic and connected. And And I think humans could probably do that much more nonviolent way. Like as you age, you take on a role of advisor and another younger, stronger person would be more the yeah. leader at that time. Um, but yeah, the simple thing that I'm kind of thinking about is being good at what you do, valuing it and surrounding yourself by other people that can acknowledge that and exchange that with other people that also value those things. And that kind of the nourishing yeah. and the joy that could come from that kind of an experience versus being separated, put into a community around others that may not necessarily know, respect or care about you and do things you don't care about, which is a recipe for depression and sadness. Yeah, to get money. Because you get need it. money because, right. because money as the symbol for value and the right. symbol, symbol for wealth and right. symbol for worth and worthiness. Right. And yes, know. yes. And the, 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 the best part is in our, in our modern society and the world, the work is fake and the money is fake. Hmm. That's the crazy part is I'm like realizing, you know, that a lot of the jobs that are out there as I interact with more people is their job actually isn't valuable or producing anything it's just valued and so it gets paid and it yeah. gets paid in fake money that gets accepted but the whole thing is is absurd it's this sick play <laughs> that's going on where it isn't actually related to what you contribute when you think about you know the jobs that are getting paid sometimes and the ones that are actually valuable for society yeah so that's a whole nother topic but it is it, it's... fake money and fake jobs and fake businesses yeah yeah, and the reality of fakeness, because yeah. you can't can't live without that fake stuff. Right. Well, and it's it's to get these tokens that you then trade with other people or whatever that hold some kind of well, if they don't get used, our military will go and destabilize your country and put you back on it. So that's yeah. that's the yeah. gold standard is the military industrial complex for modern society. We kill right. you if you don't use the US dollar. How does that sound? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's how it's maintained. All right. Well, I did have something, Josh, that I wanted to focus on today. Yeah. And uh, I emailed it to you, but you probably didn't read it. It uh... <laughs> <laughs> That's so terrible and true. <laughs> so... But it, so I, I, there's this phrase that I hear. Yeah. Giving my power away. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost got into a really big fight with Cami, but I pulled out of it. Yeah, because I don't like that expression when it's used most of the time. 
because I feel like that expression is misapplied most of the time, or it's not really defined. What do you mean by power? What do you mean by giving away? How are you doing it? And so I've, I've really been struggling. Like, so it was a conversation that she and I were having and I started questioning, but did you really give your power away? Cause you still have your power. And she's like, no, you don't understand. I gave my power. Away. And I was like, okay, I'm just, I, I'm not going to try and hammer Dissect out the it. specifics. Yeah. And that's one of my loops that I get stuck in that I don't, you know, so I, I, instead of having me write about the way that I see it, uh, I just backed off of that, but it, I put it in my back pocket. So I want to talk to Josh about this Cool, because it really, I, I think it connects to the idea of being a self-regulating entity within an environment. I, I think that power yeah, what is that word? Is the ability to self-regulate. Mm. And to say I've given that away to somebody else, maybe mm. like mm. maybe that's saying I wasn't being authentic with what I wanted to do or how I th- and I did this other thing because I thought that's how I need to be. I I'm but- being anal retentive because I don't want people to see that I'm disgusting, so I'm not being my true self. Anyway, yeah. can, I'm trying can to connect you, these dots. Go ahead. Well, are are you? Will you get in trouble if you share what happened between you and Cammy? If you tell like what what was like, be, and and really, I guess maybe that's a no. Uh, if listeners, his face is squinting up. He's yeah, yeah. I'm I'm kind of like he looked in pain. I could be in trouble. I don't I don't know. She she listens to these. She loves these. She absolutely uh, loves you. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I want my son to work with Josh. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, it, it the reason I was scrunching at my face is because I think it, in order for me to really give you a lot of context, I'd have to give a lot of personal information that's hers, yeah. not mine. And I understand. I, I wondered because when I'm thinking about someone say I'm giving my power away and they're going to mean it in a very specific way for them. Yeah. And then you're going to have your reaction that you had with Cammy it made me what I can share, which is not a question, but just a statement. Yeah. Is it made me want to know the exact instance in what she meant by it. Yeah. And and what you perceived her meaning and what your reaction to that was, because that can kind of tease out what we're talking about in an example. Yeah. So, but yeah, I can totally respect that she may not want that out there. Yeah. So. Yeah, and may, maybe I'll invite her to come and have a conversation with us one of these times, and and we then can she do can it that give way. her power to the podcast director, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, she's very powerful. She is very powerful, and yeah. and like for me, when I'm reacting the way that I did with her, it's like I don't yeah. want to hear you say that you don't have power or that anybody can take it away from you. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, and I'm not even sure if that's true. What what is so your your sense of power is that one's ability to self-regulate or that's an idea you're chewing on that's the idea that i'm chewing on i i, I like that way of framing it because i don't know right i i, I just know my, like my reaction to it was like eh, i don't like that <laughs> i don't know more than that yeah so so yeah i i i like to think i i read a book a couple of years ago called uh letting go by david burns do you know that book no, I think okay. I think maybe either you mentioned it yeah. or or someone else mentioned it 
because the name is in my head, yeah. so, but I've yeah. not read it. No, I've talked about it on the podcast and yeah. there's there's one example. I've probably published this maybe four or five times because I just, I, I really loved it mm -hmm. where he gave an example of uh, somebody getting into a fender bender. Mm -hmm. And if you get in, if you rear end somebody, you could respond from a place of anger or you could respond from a place of fear or you could respond from a place of joy or you could you know like there's all these different ways of responding and in the book it gives ex specific examples of each one of them so mm -hmm. i went and i read each one of them and kind of gave an example and to me that's the i that that's that's the power of uh being self-regulating is when when this thing yeah. happens to me i'm yeah. going to react and i'm going to respond to it and the right. first the, the first thing that informs my response are my unconscious loops and programs, all of right. that programming that immediately is going to boom, come up and have this response that I haven't thought about ahead of time. It's just happening to me. But if I become like at the moment that I become aware of what I'm doing and I can, I can look at it and say, is this really how I want to be responding in this situation? Or is there something else to do? That's the moment that I feel like there's power. And that's the moment where I feel like we're in the moment. <laughs> like right. I, that, like the, the now moment has the power of how you're going to react and respond as long as you're aware of it and not being uh, flooded by the unconscious automated response mechanisms. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm taking that in and I, now I'm like wondering if I, if I jump to a different thing, if I'll like seem like I didn't honor <laughs> what you said enough, but I, my mind's going. So I've got all these different things. So tell me how so basically you're telling me that you're a therapist who helps people. And that's, you know, I'm like, about to be like, yeah. fuck you, Glenn. No, <laughs> um, uh, what I'm thinking about in relation to what you're sharing, it's stimulated by what you're saying, but it goes where I think is more to the the ground of this, which is what it is in a person's ability or capacity or control, what, what belongs to each person and what doesn't. And to me, this is my path, which I've been on for a few years now. And it's kind of how I've, um, organized myself post-Mormonism around some kind of ethics and way of living and it's stoicism. And so that question is kind of fundamentally at the core. And so when we look at power, what we don't have power over is anything outside of ourselves. What we do have power is the things that are within. So externals or things outside of our control are only in partial influence. We can have partial influence and impact on them, but we do not have control. And where we do have control is an ongoing task of self-relating awareness and therefore responsibility, which is to look at, you don't even have control over you if you're not fully aware of what's happening yeah, for you. Right. Because you can only make choices based on what you're in touch with and aware of. Yeah. And so- at the and, core and that you have those skills, you've developed the skills and the ability. And you have to a, capacity, a capacity, a capacity. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it, it can be bottlenecked at awareness. It can be bottlenecked at capacity. Yeah. Um, and so really it comes down to like at certain levels, it's attitude and, and, and choice about the limitations that are 
inherent to wherever you are. Um, you may know that you want to do something and lack the capacity um, to do it, but it is within human capability to do it. You just haven't acquired it yet. Yeah. You know, like particularly, I wish I wasn't having this emotional reaction of nervous system dysregulation and anger. And I am now enough aware to know that I'm losing ability to respond in ways that would be in more alignment with my values. And this is something I'm thinking of as what I would call giving my power away. Someone is perhaps, and I'm going to make my own example. So we leave Cami out Good. of it, yeah. which is I am being impacted by uh, someone's criticizing me and I'm beginning to feel a deep level of nervous system dysregulation and I'm feeling that I'm being threatened and my status is being threatened and therefore my survival and my existential entity. And I'm noticing my voice is shaking and I'm getting like jittery and like all of this physiological stuff is happening. And there's a little tiny light in the back of my head that's saying this reaction isn't inherently necessary and this person cannot really harm you and their words are their opinions and their opinions are out of your control. And what you can do is breathe and regulate yourself i'm still bottlenecked at my ability to begin to regulate and engage my parasympathetic nervous system to be able to even reduce actual chemicals that are now being poured into right. my my system which is cortisol and adrenaline and this can happen simply from verbal critique and has happened to me so this is an example of what i can imagine someone might say i'm giving my power away when in reality where i would frame it is I'm being impacted by my environment and I'm not yet capable of responding in the way that's fully in alignment with my value, but this is an opportunity to practice and see how well I do. Right. Yeah. If you've developed the capacity to do that. Or even to or, understand how yeah, I'm being impacted, right, right. which I may have zero idea. And I may just be like, yeah. no, I'm literally under attack. This person's trying to destroy me, which is what your mind is telling you. Yeah. Your mind is telling you that you're being murdered. Like yeah. that's the actual right. monkey response. And so that's why people react to criticism is this the same reason somebody reacts to pulling a gun on them. They're not that different to mm -hmm. our monkey mind. Yeah. So I, I, I really chuckled. You mentioned the cortisol that's like surging through you. Um, that's you, man. You know, like that cortisol was created, manufactured within your body. Yeah. By your your brain glands there's i don't your, know the exact gland, gland but there's a your gland endocrine in your brain. system yeah. yeah it's it's pumping it into the blood now yeah and and so like you're doing it to you but you don't think that you're doing it to you you think that somebody else is doing it to you because you don't know that the, yeah. that's your cortisol that's going through your system and so like what i'm supremely interested in is this idea of being a self-regulating entity within an environment. And that environment includes not only what's external to me, like you started off by saying, you know, we don't have power over that, but also what's internal to me that I'm just not really aware of, you know, until, you know, because that cortisol is flowing through and whatever else is going on inside of me, I did that to myself because I wasn't aware that that's what I, I didn't do it on purpose. 
Right. It's just part of going through life that that happens. And I think this is why I got so interested in this field of mental health. <laughs> oh, I thought you were referencing field theory. Oh, well, that field, are. I mean, like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Very interested in field theory, too. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about um, I, I, funny enough, my mind had kind of gone to uh, people that do a thing that I think is extremely useful, which is very probably in left field for most people from where I'm about to say, but studying martial arts mm. and learning over and over and over to confront people in physical combat mm. and how it makes people way less likely to fight. And it makes people much more confident to study martial arts. They're much, much, much less likely when they are trained to know how to respond for physical safety with their own body, which is funny because you could go to a, you could start studying how marksmanship and be way better prepared to uh, save yourself from an altercation by learning how to fire a, a gun. Um, however, this process of kind of engaging your body directly in confrontation and re it regulates and it brings people. So I was just thinking about all these implicit fear threat reactions that happen to us and how in my mind, you prepare to eliminate them by confronting and, and practicing how to be in relationship to them in a way that doesn't let you get swallowed up in your own reactions, but lets you maintain well, A, just have less of a reaction first off and B, uh, maintain in scenarios that otherwise are extremely uh, triggering or upregulating or stimulating to people's nervous systems, but you don't have that because you've been practicing how to make yourself chill. So, you know, you can just remain assertive, there, connected, curious, slow, and much it's more- Jedi persuasive. training. Yeah, it really is. So it's like this thing of like, Giving your power away is one way of framing it. One way of saying gaining your power, gaining more power, gaining the power of remaining observant, calm, and in in awareness of yourself. That's kind of the the thing I think about is that the underlying uh, thing of this is remaining aware, calm, and assertive. That's where I think you maintain a footing of of. And, and responsible because, you know, there's like this video of um, these people detonate avalanche stuff or whatever. And this family's sitting at, at a lodge and they're like overlooking the mountain. And all of a sudden you see the, the snow coming down and the kids start to get nervous. And the dad is like, oh, no, it's fine. They're detonating. It's safe. And then slowly it keeps getting closer and closer and closer. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, this thing's actually about to hit and he wasn't responding or in contact with an actual threat. And therefore the whole thing is like at the end, they're all like, ah, they're all panicking and like grabbing each other and the, the avalanche is like hitting them. So that's another part of it is being able to identify legitimate issues that need to be responded to and being able to do so, but still remaining in a calm, steady way. Like being like, yeah, this doesn't, let's move away. Let's go inside. Let's see what's happening with this. Let's watch it from in there but without waiting until it's too late or freaking out. So those are the other thing is, you know, if someone's legitimately coming after you with ill intent 
and wishing to destroy your character, it still benefits you to remain calm, aware, and steady. And it's no different than someone who's incidentally accident, maybe out of accident, offending you. Yeah. But you may respond differently once you identify that one has ill intent versus another that you can behave curiously and open to. You may yeah. say, "I'm going to shut this conversation down now. Um, I'm not, not. I'm not prepared to interact with you right now." Right, because you've got the giving, power. Yeah, and to, giving to giving away that. more information or explanations to somebody who has that intent is useless. Hmm. So you wouldn't want to do that. You just say, I'm not going to interact with you anymore. I've made that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Kind, so anyway. of, kind, kind of the decision that I made with the Mormon church, which is where I really want to take this now. Because yeah. this idea of giving power away, I've seen it pop up in a lot of ex-Mormon groups of, uh, I gave my power away to the Mormon church. Like the Mormon church usurped my they they deceived me they took my money through tithing they lied to me and mm -hmm. i gave my power away to them and mm -hmm. i would have um I, I i hear this with a lot of people um as as i've been coaching and and dealing with I, i'm trying to be sensitive because i don't want to bring up anything that i shouldn't bring up here but it it's a pretty common thing that i hear people say I got married too young because the Mormon church, mm. I didn't have this kind of growth uh, or I wasn't able to have these kinds of experiences because of the Mormon church. And mm. because of the Mormon church, uh, the Mormon church took away my power and kind of yoked me to them. Even uh, some of the discussions that we had in our first conversation about emotional intelligence is like how the, the Mormon church sets up this environment where you don't really learn how to mm -hmm. uh, judge more than one side of a situation, you know, it's so black and white. Uh, mm. And so you can't have that kind of emotional maturity to be mm. uh, objective. Uh, yeah. and, and, but, but so this idea of giving the power away to the Mormon church, what, what comes up for you when I bring that up? Well, I, I return to the now. So I'm thinking about someone who's telling me about this. Something is important in what they're sharing with me. Mm -hmm. And what is important in that now? And what do they want now? And what's happening now? Because now is where I'm with a person. And yeah. the past is relevant in how it's showing up right here, right now. Yeah. And so with a person who's legitimately gotten married too early, and they would not have made that decision, it is correct that what they're saying. But the question is, do they know what they're doing right now in relationship to that? And so my question, if we just hold on to that example, is therefore what? It might sound kind of cruel or cold to say that, but it's important. And I, I, and I have a sincere interest in, and what are you doing with me now? What you're telling me about this, that you did that and that you're here and that you made that choice. And what of that is with you right now? What's, what's happening now that you're telling me and, and how is that? The question is to help them to identify what their need may be. They may be needing a chance to grieve. They may be needing a chance to express anger. They may need a chance to be witnessed and to be seen and acknowledged in what happened. And they may need some connection around that. And those I'm things so are all vital. That. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Because when I'm thinking about the need, 
Well, actually, when I think about the now, I, and I love that you said that, let's bring it into the now, because they they wouldn't be bringing this up unless there's something in this now moment that is important to them. So let's explore that. And when you said that, the thing that I thought was, oh, what it tells me is that they feel like they don't have any power. And that's why they're bringing it up. And so then what do they need? They need to feel like they have power. But I, I like your approach better than mine <laughs> because I, I like your approach of instead of uh, being like, oh, I know what you need. Yeah. I figured it out because I'm watching you and I'm observing you. It's like, yeah. I'm going to ask you, yeah, what what what's going on for you right now? Yeah, and you're just going to keep listening and observing and let them figure it out instead of be like, right. ah, I figured it out and you can't see it because you're too close to it and you're blinded by all these other things. But I'm a therapist that's been trained to do this. And I can tell you how you really are, that you're not doing that. Right, right. The expertise is is not, the person is the expert on themselves, not me. I am the expert on facilitating the uh, the possibility that they will become more aware of themselves. And I don't want to get in the way of that. I right. don't ever want to take the opportunity I don't want to sit and do math in front of somebody. I want to teach them math. Mm. So like when I am right and I do know what's going on, it's still irrelevant because I, I, I again, I'm going to quote some philosopher. I don't know. It, it may have been Socrates or Aristotle or one mm. of them. He said, you cannot teach anyone anything. You can only help them think. Yeah. You can only ask them questions that allow them to think or something like right. that. Yeah. And so in this model, there's something happening that the person's bringing this up right now. And there's something that's still relevant here with them in that moment. And there's also a process and a function that they're utilizing in what they're doing. And that's, that's what we want to bring to their awareness as a therapist is, you know, um, you know, there's difficult shit like, uh, I'm just thinking of the people that have the kids too early, you know, and I'm I'm thinking about my sister, Courtney, and she's getting married yeah. at 19 and she's a kid. And like, yeah. she loves, loves, loves her children, but she also was in a very difficult marriage and she's so grateful for her kids. And yet she was a child when she had them, you know, not yeah. a child, but very young girl, um, 19 years old. And she had her first kid at 20. I don't think she was 21 when she had her daughter. And, um, and so I think about what she might need a space to explore. And I imagine the tenderness that I want to hold with that. And I don't want to support her in turning herself into an object. I want her to radically connect with her own subjectivity and take responsibility for her life where it is. And that may mean that I... I bring to her attention or attempt to help her see how she's relating to that in the moment. And if people are using it in a way that's, you know, however they're using it, uh, I want them to be able to notice that so that they, it restores their choices around it. Because a lot of times people feel stuck or disempowered and what they really need is a place to say, I love my kids and I wish I didn't have them. That's not <laughs> easy for someone to say, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about object versus subject because you brought that up mm -hmm. before and you just mm -hmm. brought it up again now. Mm -hmm. And I think it it's relevant to this, I, this discussion about power. Mm -hmm. So uh, 
I'll, I'll tell you what I think you mean. Mm -hmm. I think by object, you mean something that's acted upon kind of like a victim. And I think by subject, I think you mean somebody that is doing the acting, somebody that is active, um, mm. not somebody that's passive. Mm. Is is that right? Is that how you think of it or use it? No, I think it's close. And so what I will say about it is if I ignore a primary part of reality, which is that people experience their lives and people respond and act and have freedom to do new things and become, we can become through our actions different than we were. This is the subjective, the experienced freedom of our existence. And the, and I mean that in that we are experiencing reality. We are not simply um, causal chain things. So when I think of an object, I think of a determined machine that cannot, doesn't have an experience of itself and isn't able to take responsibility and make choices. And so it's looking at one of the parts of a human being, which is their experience of themselves, their ability to observe and be experiencing what they are that is the subjective lens and there is an objective part of us which is for example my body my body has objective space you can weigh it you can do certain things it has an object nature but i also have a subject nature and i live through things and when i look at my life from the objective lens i might say josh why did you yell at your dog today and and hit her and I would say, and this is the objective causal chain analysis, uh, my dad beat me when I was little. Now I don't have emotion regulation skills. Then I got angry and I feel small. And when somebody uh, cut me off in traffic, I began to, I got angry. I remembered my dad and I felt tiny again and then took it out on my dog later when she got in my way and I kicked her. Um. That's just saying it as though like there's no person living it. Like there's no choice. There's no whatever. There's no experience of that. Yeah. And the subjective side is going to take interest in, yes, those things are probably, let's say that they're all 100% accurate. When we look through the objective lens, we are in some ways implicitly trying to provide a person with um, absolution. And there is no absolution. You are still, you are the one that kicked the dog. Therefore, you're now the one living in the world where you have to grapple with what you did and take responsibility in that it's going to impact There's the you word. you did that. Responsibility. That's what you're talking about. Yes. Like, so, so that's the, like when you're talking about ob object versus subject, it's really the, the object doesn't really have responsibility for what's right. being acted upon them. They're just part of a chain, a causal yes. chain. Yes. But a subject has... A subject uh, inherits and it inherits the consequences of its actions. Mm. I cannot escape that. I cannot escape that what I do, I inherit the consequences of those actions, whether I like them, whether I'm aware of them or not, they are going to be mine. I will keep inheriting what I do. And the real, I can eat Twinkies all day, but I'm going to inherit the consequences of that. Or I can lift weights, meditate and uh, go on walks and I'll inherit the consequences of that and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I inherit the the 
things I do, I, they affect and they come into my life, but it's, it's, yes, it's about that. And it's about the subjective lens looks at that. I am experiencing the thing, not just that the thing happened. So I am feeling angry, small and reactive. And now I've kicked my dog and now I'm realizing, wow, I, and by the way, I've never kicked my dog. Uh, just yeah. for listeners that's yeah. an example i've never done that yeah um i have pulled her on her leash in a way that i didn't like later and i thought yeah i've done that to that, was a, dog that was a little it's rough Cammy's dog yeah that was a little rough yeah, and i felt a lot of guilt about it yeah um but it's it's yes it's about that i am the one experiencing the thing and it's it's kind of like saying you don't get to be an object even if you want to turn yourself into one even if you want to look at yourself through that lens it's not possible because you are an experiencing being of the thing and yes yeah. those things did happen and they do have the impact and that is that does lead to how you did what you did because you felt those things and you responded that way but once you're aware of it and you're taking in the subjective reality of it, then you can start to restore choices, which you can still continue to kick your dog. Now that you know, this is you feeling tiny and small and having an emotional reaction and getting overwhelmed. Or you may say, now that I'm aware of that, and since I'm subjectively experiencing it, I don't have to just continue doing that. Now I can say, I'm too upset to be around my dog. I've lost my temper and I need to stay away. So I'm mm -hmm. going to put the dog in the room and I'm going to go deal with my emotions. And then when my emotions have been dealt with, I'm going to come back to my dog. And now I'm going to reflect on how that went for me. And I'm going to realize, oh, I like that better because I'm living it. It's, it's subjective is about a person's experiential reality of their life. Object is erasing that and turning them into a cog of yeah. XYZ causal chain. And yes, responsibility is inherent to this. So that is a, a, an important piece of what we're talking about. Are, are you comfortable to go back uh, to your sister Courtney and her situation with the, the impact of the Mormon church on her marrying so young and having the experiences that she had? And yeah, I can talk. How, about, I'll, I'll talk how about would you frame about. that with her as the object? And how would you frame that with her as a subject? So we can kind yeah. of compare them side by side. What I would say is it is correct that her decisions were shaped and formed and prevented her from making a decision that would have been different had it been that she wasn't Mormon. Yeah. Had she not been Mormon, it's almost a guarantee. And had she not had my parents, and in a way, as I say this, I'm like, if it was different, it would have been different. Yeah, right. Who gives a fuck? But like, <laughs> you're right. Like, if, so if, if she wasn't Mormon, but had your parents, she might have been pregnant at 16. Yeah, she might have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She might've gotten into the abusive situation way sooner. Who knows? I mean, who knows what my parents would have been like without Mormonism? I mean, they mm -hmm. might've been worse. They, they, you know, they had their own issues to begin with and and the church in many ways held them together. So I'm like, yeah. who the hell knows what would have been if it hadn't been, but yeah. let's speculate and say that. So, th so the one lens is saying, we want to acknowledge that the past happened we want to acknowledge that it has impact now, yeah. but we want to also acknowledge the stories that we tell about it and the impact of those stories and narratives and the way that we frame it. Because in the present, there are needs that exist now that have origin and relevance in the past, but the past is only relevant in the now, which is how is this showing up now? How are you thinking about it? What's the meaning you make? What's the emotional impact? What's the... What's the importance of what you're sharing right now in telling me that you 
got married too early. For me, there are things that we put into the shadow. And I don't think this is true for my sister, but something like this could be said by many people. And maybe it is true for, her, I don't know, but it would be like, I am so conflicted because I wish I didn't have those kids so early and I don't want them to not exist. Yeah. And so in a way I have to acknowledge that I don't like that I had my children that early. I don't like that I didn't get to have more of a childhood and explore my youth and my, um, you know, maybe I would have had a different sexual history or maybe I would have um, XXX. Like now I'm just sitting with what's with me now is I don't have as many options as I am now. And I know that these this entity, this structure of thinking that was imposed on me prevented me from making decisions more fully as I might have had I had something that was more tolerant and open and expansive than than Mormonism. And so now I'm looking at not I'm an object and I'm just going to be mad, but looking at what I am doing now and how am I experiencing this now and what's still here now so I can begin cleaning up the wreckage. I can get wake back up out of the spell and realize I don't get to go back in time. I don't get to go into the future. How do I live now as things are now? And what do I need? And maybe I need to be heard in saying some stuff that's uncomfortable or maybe i need to express my anger and my outrage that i was told lies that have massively impacted where my life ended up you know yeah. a more trivial one is the fucking food pyramid what a bunch of bullshit like i was lied to by the government and my schools and told to eat 15 bagels a day that's absolute health bullshit you know, I can sit here and say all of my health issues are because the food pyramid. They lied to me, Glenn. They told me to eat 17 servings of grain, which they basically did. It's, it's horrible food advice. Mm -hmm. My point is everyone's fucking lying to you. And most people are are doing these things. And, and what do you want to do now? It's it's I guess the equalizer of all this stuff is coming back to the present, coming back to what is here now. The past is relevant, but it's only relevant now because we only exist now. So I've been thinking about the now moment. Trigger warning. As a pearl of great price. That is like our entire life is like the string of pearls. It's just like consecutive moment after consecutive moment after consecutive moment. But each one of those moments is this precious thing that's been brought about by so many things, that just mm -hmm. way beyond our ability to comprehend. But here we are in this moment and then we're gone into the next moment. Then we're gone to the next moment. Mm -hmm. And the power of being in the moment and especially developing these kinds of awareness, acceptance, the capabilities to like really successfully navigate the moment seems like that that's kind of what I that 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 that's what I've been thinking about lately is I, I want to really perfect that where I'm I, I'm showing up in each moment <laughs> in the best possible way. <laughs> that i can yeah. and by best and i this is getting to my values maybe getting to my needs and you can tell me all about what's behind this i don't know but that 
I, I'm I'm kind. Like I, I love what you said. I keep thinking back about what you said about the needs that people have. Like maybe they need to be angry, maybe they need to be heard, maybe they need to just have some time to be heard, you know, like to be supported. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and like my way of going about, yeah, but have you thought about it that way? But it's not really this way, is it? Is not really getting their, their needs. So that's not me showing up in the best. That's me acting out of some need to be right or need to like wherever that's whatever that deep need is i think you might be wanting you might be underselling yourself i imagine some of that stuff is from your own desire to um be helpful in some way is my guess oh for sure yeah yeah no that that's, and, that's definitely part of it and 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 so the question is what is help hmm. and this is something that therapists need to think about because my model of thinking about it is if my goal is to have a direct impact on my client, this is going across what I call the contact boundary, which is respectfully connecting with them as me and taking them in as them is the goal of therapy that they come in contact with me and my difference. And that allows them to become aware. So in the event that they're sharing Say that again, it cut out that they, they come into contact to you. Do you, did you say in your difference? Yes, because I am different. Okay. I am a separate person from them. And I also organize meaningfully differently. And I have a, I am, I am not them. And so by, so them contrasting against your differences, which you gently share with them, they're able to come into a better understanding of themselves. They have the possibility for it. Yeah. They have the possibility that they can do that. And so, for example, people are with their own experience, but they want to have it be taken in and you want to slow them down and let them savor and actually experience that in the now. So it'd be like, I'm really taking in how much you've lost because of choices you made that you would not have made if you had more information that was accurate. Mm. And I, I'm taking that in. And my reaction is I feel righteous indignation. I feel anger. I feel sadness and I'm thinking about the complexity that must be there for you. And I'm thinking right now about my sister and I'm thinking what I could say to her in this theory, if she was expressing this to me is that must be so strange. I'm thinking about how strange that must be. And I'm holding and taking in that you were making choices at a very young, vulnerable age that have had massive impact in your life. And I'm interested in what it's like to hear me say that. What's going on for you as, as you're experiencing me hearing you and experiencing me taking it in. If I hear what she's doing and I jump to things that you were demonstrating, which is essentially problem solving or yeah. exploring thoughts, there's a subtle kind of crossing the contact boundary to try to affect an impact on the other person. And once I have the goal to impact them, I define that as aggression. Yeah, it is. And, and, and it's an attempt to change the environment outside of me, which is my definition of aggression. Mm -hmm. And so that's not my business. That's not the helping. The helping is to restore choice in the client through awareness to help them. The goal is to increase their ability for choice, not change. Yeah. I'm not trying to change them. I'm trying to restore their capacity for choice through their own increased awareness. 
And so that's my goal as a therapist. And so that's, that's kind of where I'm not trying to build a piano or sculpt a thing or make a person's thoughts different. I'm supporting their ongoing awareness and restoration of choice. So they may continue what they're doing or they may start to explore different options, but they now are aware so they can take responsibility for choosing things. And that's, that's how I think of going from subject to object is the subject is experiencing living and being responsible for the life. The object is coming to me as a broken vehicle that I'm going to start working on and make adjustments to. And that's not what my therapy is. My therapy isn't in the realm of objective. It's in the realm of radical dignity and respect for the individual and their profound sacredness as the being that they are. And, and honoring that to support with confidence that they can know what's best for them and that they are the person best suited for living their life when they are more aware and more capable of restoring their own abilities to make new choices. And that choice is new if it's just in awareness and it's the exact same choice because it's done with intentionality. My mind started wandering through that. And I had like at one point, this is the next thing that I want to say. And then I lost it. And then I was spending time trying to get that back. And I didn't capture a lot of what you just said. So I, I'm sure it'll, you know, when I go back and I edit this, I'll hear it. Take take his, take some time and see yeah. what see what you can get in touch with. I'm not sure. I'm just kind of a blank right now. Well, what I can kind of say is from what I shared is this idea and you can edit this out, but just to jog your own memory is just looking at the, we're talking about aggression coming across the context. Trying to change somebody. Yeah. That, that when con- you have, yeah. when you have a goal that the help is in change, then you become related and people want to be objects and they like to turn themselves into it. They'll invite you. They'll entice you as a therapist to join them on that quest. And they'll actually be profoundly upset when you don't, don't tell them what that. to do. And you don't engage in that critical voice and that let's yeah. get you functional and get you operating. And when you hold the ground to demonstrate the profound respect you have for their own self-regulating capacity, and you simply invite them to, to step into awareness and in that way, step into their power and begin to be more and more responsive for what they can be aware of and have more choices. That's really how we empower our clients is as a Gestalt therapist, the goal is choice, not change. And it's not to be aggressive and objectifying them when they objectify themselves and to uh, support contact with them so that they can become aware. Yeah, I remember what what I was going to ask you now as you were good giving that very nice did. summary. Thank you. Uh it it's uh, a video called it's not about the nail. And I'll come back to that in a minute. Um you've probably seen it before, I would guess. But um the question I want to ask now is with the object versus subject does when you have you know, people that you said people want to be objects. They want to be yeah. told what to do. They, you know, they, 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 they want that. Is that right? They want to be told what to do, or is that my addition? Because I saw that's, you kinda... 
that's part of it. Part of it is me wanting to be told what to do, but the other part is is that abs absolution of responsibility kind that's of it. part. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's at the core of it. And why do they want absolution of responsibility? Uh, because they don't really believe in themselves. <laughs> I don't know. I think a big part of it is that. I think a big part of it is that people are reacting. How. Well, they're reacting to shame. They don't, mm. they can't tolerate being bad. And as a defense against being bad, they turn themselves into an object because they don't want to hate themselves. And so if I'm not responsible, if I'm an object, if I'm not the one doing this, then I get absolution. And so they they seek to turn themselves into objects because people experience pain, pain at their own hand. And rather than hate themselves, they yeah. want to they want to not be the one that did it. They don't want to be involved. And then a level of shame and the the lack of what we call self-support or the ability to still hold oneself in dignity and self-respect and love and care while enduring all of the errors and mistakes, et cetera, things that are painful to us. Yeah. When a person lacks that, they'll say, it's not my fault. It's the outside world. It's these other things. Well, I'm about to say that too, because the outside <laughs> world has conditioned us to be comfortable as objects. And I think that that's intentional in a lot of cases because people like do want to uh, exert power Responsibility. over us for their own benefit. And we live and, in systems that kind of create that in us. That so the shame that you were talking about that people don't want to be responsible. I I think that's inculcated. It doesn't matter if it's Mormonism or the government or the school system or like whatever. Like where are we really taught to be healthy, autonomous, responsible subjects? Where where does that happen in our society? It happens in my therapy practice. At <laughs> therapy. Yeah. Of course. Uh, no, I mean, I've synthesized lots of different uh, people. And what I think about this is part of my duty as a human is, and privilege actually, is to serve others. Yeah. And so, again, the people that I'm on to, and this isn't exclusively what I'm on to, but the Stoics talk about how foolish it is for us to not seek out the great writings of the past. Mm. And so for me, looking at, at people in who have written things that I admire, you know, I really consider myself to be an average human. I don't consider myself a Einstein, Newton, whatever, pick a person you think is a great in the past, mm. uh, but they exist and they're part of us. And I can copy their homework yeah. and I can get everything from just copying. Yeah. Well, what a fucking benefit, yeah. you know, like we don't have to suffer through organizing and relating to science or math or music or philosophy. We can just cheat and read what the other humans gave us. So my answer is it's both society and people. People hate responsibility as much as society offers them a charlatan cure for it mm -hmm. and it's a sick relationship between both yeah. just like people like junk food and society is pouring junk food down your throat it's how people like distractions and social media is making it as addictive as possible yeah. for you to get you know 
hypnotized by your fucking phone yeah. and spend your life staring at that little attention vampire. Yeah. So uh, it's both things. We have us within us the propensity to seek out these things that are not healthy. And there's a ton of energy going into it to weaponize our, our foibles against us. Yeah. Um, that being said, there are giants among us who have lived, who have written down and painstakingly set aside the solution to these issues that we can study, that we can read, that we can learn. And for me, you know, post-Mormonism, it's, it's taking part in solving it for me and then serving others with it. Yeah. Stoicism, uh, all of the psychology that I read, Gestalt therapy theory, um, Ralph Waldo Emerson's self-reliance, that essay, incredible, empowering, uh, a reminder of the divinity of your own authentic uniqueness that's inherent yeah. to you regardless of anything else. Um, Epictetus, Seneca, Aristotle, you know, these are people that I, I attempt to ingest and try to enact in my own life. So yes, there's, I don't see a hub for this in society, but I see an enormous need and I hope to be part of the solution. I hope that's what we're doing. You know, yeah, I hope too. people are hearing these conversations and knowing that people are, are looking at how we deal with our modern dilemma and our, you know, humans enslave other humans. And the first primary place of slavery is the mind. Yeah. So that's the task we're doing is to unburden people from this because we got out of a fucking cult. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about is this video. It's not about the nail. Have you seen it? Do you know what I'm talking about? I actually haven't seen that one. Okay. I, or maybe I did, but it's not. It's it's, it's probably mostly... like 10, 12 years old. Um, it, it's, it's a man and a woman having a conversation. And the woman starts off. At first, you can't really see her full face. And she's just talking about how, I don't know, there's just this constant pressure. And I can't sleep at night. And all my sweaters are snagged. And then it zooms out and you see she's got this like this big nail in her forehead and her boyfriend or whatever's looking at her kind of like with this like puzzling look. He goes, well, you know, you've got a nail in your forehead. She's like, it's not about the nail. You're always saying that. I don't want to hear about that. Stop it. You're trying to fix it. Stop trying to fix everything. It's like, okay, okay. I'll stop trying to fix it. She's like, and I just, it's so hard. And I don't like, and I think he goes, you know, again, you've got this nail here. She just stop doing that. You know? So it's like this kind of back and forth thing. Mm-hmm. And what made me think about it was when you were saying that as a therapist, you don't cross that line to try to solve mm -hmm. the problems. Mm -hmm. You, you know, like you let the client work that out for themselves to kind of like mm -hmm. come to their own understanding of, of what's going on. So I was hoping that you had seen that and you could kind of comment on it, but from my description, I can easily it, comment. Yeah. I can ahead. easily comment on that. Yeah. So we want to embrace the obvious and I want to show up as me. And so what I might say is, I'm seeing something that seems pretty significant and important to me. <laughs> and you're not interested in that. Yeah. What happens that you're not interested in what I'm seeing? So you would say, why is it that you're not interested in talking about the nail in your forehead? Yeah. What about me bringing up the nail? What happens when I bring up the nail? Yeah. What happens in you when I say that? Yeah. And so she would say, so, so let's role play this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, when, when you tell me it makes, it, it makes it feel like it's my fault. Mm. 
that I've got a nail in my forehead and it would be so easy to pull it out. And like, why don't I do it? So it seems like you're judging me. Mm. You feel judged when I bring it up. Yeah. Like very judged. Mm. Like really all I want is for you to listen to me and like, tell me that it's going to be all right. Mm. Well, that creates a dilemma for me on the one hand. I, um, I want to accept how you're feeling, but I also want to see if, if you've got any, which is that you're you're imagining that I'm judging you, but since it's about me, uh, are you open to asking me how I feel about the nail? Why are you telling me that I'm imagining it? Well, because like it's not. I'm not imagining it. It's real. I'm I'm I'm, I'm kind of getting stuck in this role play here, and I'm no no get stuck I, in yeah. role play. So, okay, all right, so all right, if a client right. said this, I'd be like, all right, scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay, we're back in the scene. Yeah. Um, I'm having an experience related to the what i'm observing and i'm hearing you say that you're you believe i'm having an experience if i'm not having that experience what how can i connect with you like you're telling me i feel a certain way that i i don't know i can't even talk to you josh like i've got this pressure and you're not being helpful yeah i can see that what about what i'm doing isn't helpful you're just you're it's just confusing i don't even know what you're talking about yeah okay so cut so in a situation right. like this because you brought us to a very very delicate client mm. so and this does happen and this would be in very early childhood developmental wounding that leads people to what would uh classically be identified as narcissism in this event all that can be done for a person who's displaying the kind of things you're displaying is that I move into relating them. I begin to relate to them uh, differently. And I no longer attempt to make contact for increased awareness. And I I go, I basically make a decision to now operate toward them as an object. And that- You're giving from- your power away because you're not claiming what you're actually seeing and feeling. You're tailoring I- that and editing yourself because you're afraid of upsetting the other person. No. Okay. I'm, I thank you. I like that. Um, I'm making a clinical judgment that this person, and this is a clinical judgment, meaning I don't know this, but based yeah. on what the way that you interacted, my clinical judgment would tell me this person can't tolerate presence that is different than their yeah. own experience. Right. And it's so fragile and delicate to them that all that can be done is to take a new stance, which is to identify what you best believe their need is and begin to give them what they need Mm -hmm. and to back off entirely. And so in that instance, it's a clinical judgment that this person has such deep, old, narcissistic wounding that they can't tolerate external presence that's different than them. When you say narcissistic wounding, do you mean that they've been wounded by a narcissist or that typically they have that's the case, but they are now a narcissist. Typically early childhood developmental wounding is inflicted by narcissists on children, mm. but it's not always the case. Um, but they become narcissistic, meaning they live in a reality that is so fragile, so delicate. Their nervous system is so raw that they don't trust anything outside of their own direct experiencing. So they're not interested in what the fuck you think. They've so fragile. The world is so painful and delicate. They hold it together without any trust for externals. They don't have self-support to reflect or take criticism. If it's bad, 
it's outside them and it's someone else's fault. Hmm. That's it. Because otherwise they're bad. And if they're bad, it's total shame, total worthlessness. My dog's getting angry. Gretel. Yeah. Um, so, so you're saying that when you're, when you're across from somebody and I, I, I think, are, are you thinking about a clinical situation or just like yeah. a normal everyday? Okay. Normal everyday. I would just say, honestly, like, this is the truth. I would cut that person out of my life. Really? That's where I'm at now. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I would not interact with somebody that's this delicate. I would not take that burden on. I, I, I don't, I have no interest in that in my life at this point. Mm. There are too many people that I'm around that have more self-resource and can be are capable of reflection and, and contact without reacting to it. And it's my preference to surround myself with people at a certain level of, 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 of wellness. Yeah. Um, and so people at the level that we're role-playing toward, they require zero attachment to them getting better and infinite resource being dumped into them with the idea that it may never resolve in anything. Wow. You just had like, I don't know what gesture you made with your hands, but did you see that on the screen? <laughs> oh. You've got like the zoom setting where there were like fireworks that went on. Oh, really? You you went on like that. Yes. That was, that's incredible. I wish people could see it. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's, that's the thing. So people at that level, they, they require in order to get better that you have no attachment to them getting better, but that you pour infinite resource into them with the possibility that it may never make a difference. And if you're willing to do that, then you may have the possibility of helping them. Hmm. Yeah, but, because but for but for where you are in your life, it, it I'm just not doesn't seem that. like that's of a, a value uh, of your time. I I have, I am selective about the people that I allow in my inner circle, and mm -hmm. I'm willing to end relationships. And relationships for me are conditional, and there yeah. is a ticket to ride, and that is a certain level of self support that a person has within themselves to be in a dialogue with me. Yeah, and if a person can't, isn't close enough to at least begin practicing a dialogue with me, then they don't meet the minimum standards to ride this ride. Yeah. You and gotta be this tall. You so you are judging ride. them. Yes, absolutely. And it's not a judgment that comes with condemnation. It comes with profound compassion, care, and respect. And that I also have equal compassion, care, and respect for my own life. And I understand, at least to the best of my ability, what it may require for them. I remain open that I can be surprised by them showing a difference later, yeah. but I would not go out of my way to maintain or develop a relationship with someone that's displaying that mm -hmm. in a clinical setting. I still may not be willing to establish a relationship with a person like that because yeah. they are extremely fragile, delicate, and, and difficult clients yeah. that take tons and tons of energy, attention, and care. And they, and they may turn against you and 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 write horrible reviews about yeah. you if they feel that something is painful to them you are bad so mm -hmm. this kind of a client is a massive liability and it's intelligent to only take on so many and to be very very gentle with them because they came by these things rightly so that's the thing they do deserve care and love and if they do seek treatment which they mostly don't but if they do then they can the stance you take to them is to acknowledge their reality and wait and see if they ever suggest they're open to anything else. 
That is the therapeutic response to someone in that position with the nail in their forehead who's behaving in the way that you demonstrated is you just say, well, that sounds really painful. I can really understand that for you, this has been awful. And everyone keeps talking about this and that um, you're experiencing a lot of judgment from others. And, and I wish that I could share with you how I'm feeling about you and I'm understanding that you have your own experience and, and I, I honor that. And I see that that's how you're experiencing me right now. Well, that's awesome, Josh. And that's a good place to, to wrap this one up. I, I like that explanation of the, it's not about the nail video better than any of the other times I brought this up with other people before to get their idea. So I, I cause that, cause that video has always bothered me that it, it just feels like the guy who's looking at it is being discounted <laughs> that he's yeah. seeing well you, you know if you're if you're worried about your sweaters getting snagged there's that nail in your forehead and you should probably get it out and like that's not what she wants to hear and so he just has to shut up about it and kind of go right. on right um yeah. well what what you do with somebody like this and it's the requirement is you hold boundaries and you maintain consequences for their behavior and you remind them of the consequences and you demonstrate love and care for their experience yeah. in the world. Yeah. So you say, hey, Margaret, um, I'm not really open to hear you talk about your dilemma. And I'm going to leave if you keep talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I understand that it's hard for you. Yeah. Or if you're me, you don't, you don't, you don't try Engage. to maintain relationships like that. Yeah. You just... You just assess what they are and you remove yourself. I mean, at this point, I'm almost 40. I turned 40 in the summer. I'm like, I'm a grown ass man. I want to have a good fucking time. And I know what I eat affects me. I know what I do affects me. And guess what else? I know that who I hang out with affects me. And so I'm not impervious. I'm extremely hyper social being just like anyone else. And I'm not placing myself around people that, um, that aren't vibing on the way that I want to vibe, it, it matters. And I bless those people and I love them and bless the therapists that like working with those people because they do exist and they're doing great work and they're awesome. And those people deserve, the people that are wounded in these ways, they deserve compassion, care, and respect, but they don't deserve access to your time. You get to choose that. Yeah. Put down the weapons that you use against yourself. You don't need them anymore Lay down the weapons that you use against the world We don't need another war Put down the weapons that you use against yourself you Hi, this is Hillary Matthew, Ryan, Carol, Keith. Dashley And I like to play bingo online while listening to Infants on Thrones You can comment on this episode on the website InfantsOnThrones.com And if you really like what you hear Give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. I did. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? My worst crime is an inside job. Dark thoughts taking over like an inside mob. I tune into the scene between the eyes and take a breath. Thank you for listening to Infants on Front. I sit still and watch the thoughts float past me. Never mind the future, never mind what the past be. I like to jump and let the universe catch me. Three, four, watch the beauty blow past me. I keep my pockets like destination in sight. Keep my actions elevated to compassionate heights. I'm walking past the fight. Later.